0: The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647, U.S. 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We are headed for Acts chapter 24 today. A couple of observations kind of just on the the weird note of life here for a minute. One is... This is the this is a record-breaking attendance in the history of this church for the front row, uh, and my uh, my observation is just now that it's safe that you can sit in the front that I don't walk around and embarrass you. I guess that's it. You know I'm confined to the platform, uh, so you feel safe going to the front row. That that's good. The other thing I just you know I, I feel like I should mention Dennis who is making our announcements here today is his birthday. Yeah, we're we're not going to sing happy. Yeah, yeah he made it to. But when, it, when he first started talking and his voice was cracking in and out, I just thought, boy, it caught up to him right there. That old age finally got him. Then we realized it was the microphone. But uh, there you go. We won't mention his age, but he's seven years older than I am. And I'm 60, so you do the math. Uh, what, what, that's right, right? Okay, I got it right. But I, I don't want to say the age because you don't do that. That's That would be rude. Okay, uh, we are actually going to read all of Acts chapter 24 today. Are you excited? Okay, now I, I know that's a lot, and maybe you're sitting here thinking, uh, I didn't come to church to hear the Bible. <laughs> no, I don't think you're sitting here thinking that, so I think we'll be all right. We'll make it through. You know, I've mentioned before that if there's a wish that I had for you in a lot of ways, I wish... That you had to do what I have to do every week what I mean by that is I have to sometimes Monday mornings are like I don't want to go you know you know how that goes but Monday morning I have to open up the Word of God and I have to say Lord what's your message (laughs) Lord speak to me through this you know what Or you know I, I want to hear from you I wish you had to do that I wish it was part of your job requirement because it is incredibly helpful to me. You know, even this last week, you know, I spent uh, the time in the Word of God working on the sermon on Monday and Tuesday and then set it aside. And yesterday morning, I was kind of hitting the slump again there just as far as attitude goes about a couple things. And then I went back into the truth of God's Word to review the message. I was like, awesome! Uh, this is good stuff. I wish you got to do that all the time. And I challenge you to, as you open the Word of God, that you say, Lord, what, what is the message you have for me? What you know? Speak to me through this. Somebody asked uh, Charles Spurgeon. They said, what is, what is more important, praying or reading the Bible?" And he responded and said, "Well, what do you think is more important, breathing out or breathing in?" And uh, I think that that's really fitting. But how much we need that—the that very essence of our spiritual life, these two basic fundamentals: prayer and read the Bible. It's not so simple, but uh, but if I can encourage you, how much that is needed. Okay, you ready? Acts chapter twenty-four. We're going to read a little bit. What do you think? You think I'm going to have luck with the switcher today? That could be exciting. The mic didn't work, so the switcher's got to. You ready? Uh, we're going to we're going to be all over it. Starting in verse number 1. After five days, the high priest Ananias came down from the elders, and a spokesman, one Tertullus. Now, I need to introduce you to this fellow right here. He's called a spokesman. I think we could also call him a lawyer. Uh, he is representing them, and he is a very smooth-talking lawyer. I was going to make more fun of him than what I uh, what I will. Be, uh, then I realized that Paul does a similar thing, but watch this guy loaded on at the beginning. Watch him smooth. Uh, they lay, Anyway, they laid before the governor. Their case against Paul. Okay, so they're going to present their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him by saying, Since through you, okay, he's talking to the the uh, uh, leader here now, and uh, this leader was the guy who had taken um, uh, Pontius Pilate's seat, if, if uh, you remember that name, uh, by the name of Felix. He says, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, Most excellent Felix, reforms have been made throughout this nation in every way and everywhere. We accept this with all gratitude. You get the smoozing. You're wonderful, Felix. You're just just great. Uh, I think it was also very much the custom and expected at the time, but he's laying it on pretty thick there. And he says, but to detain you no further, we don't want to waste your time, buddy. I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly, for we have found this man, talking about Paul now, we have found him to be a plague. One who stirs up riots among the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Okay, we found this guy to be a plague and he starts to tell the same stories we've looked at before, the lies about Paul that have been spread around and circulated. And he is a leader of the sect of the Nazarenes. By the way, this is not a flattering word, Nazarenes here. Remember what they said about Jesus? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? This was kind of like, put it down. You know, the Nazarenes, the lowlifes over there. Uh, my in-laws live in a little town in Oklahoma called Poto. And uh, I I thought it was kind of funny when I'll talk to somebody from Oklahoma, I'll say, oh, we go down there all the time to see my in-laws. And they say, where? And I say, Poto. And they laugh because apparently, now, my mother-in-law listens to these sermons. I'm not offending you. I'm comparing you to Paul. But anyway, uh, but they, they laugh because it's like Poto is like podunk. You know, they say, oh, you must be, like if somebody does something stupid, you must be from Poto. That's the insult. Well, this is very much an insult, okay? You must be from Nazareth, okay? so, So he's stirring up the case here against Paul. Even, I'm sorry, he even tried to perframe the temple. He's still talking about Paul. And we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything about which we accuse him. And the Jews also joined in the charge, affirming all the things, uh, all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, now it's Paul's turn. He starts off, a little smoothing here too, knowing for many years you have been judge over this nation, he says, I cheerfully make my defense, okay? I am so happy to have this chance uh, to defend myself to you. You can verify that it is not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogue or in the city, neither they prove can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. Okay, now Paul is defending himself. Well, what's the old saying? The man who defends himself is has a fool for a, a lawyer or a client and a lawyer. Have you ever heard that expression? However, in this case, uh, Paul, Martin Luther, in his commentary on this, said Paul uh, knew that with God he was in a majority. Okay, so Paul was confident that God was on his side and decides he can defend himself here. Let's see, verse number four. You know what I've learned, guys? I don't hold the button long enough. That's that's the problem. They are not to blame. It is totally me, and I get too excited and quick flick. Okay, but this I confess. Okay, here's what Paul says. I didn't do all those things they said. Here's what I did do. I confessed to you that according to the, what does he like the Christians to be called? The way. The way. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I want to be associated with Jesus and the people of the way, which they call a sect, I, here's what I do, I worship the God of our fathers. We're going to come back to this idea, but believing everything laid down in the law and in the prophets. Don't forget that phrase that Paul said, I believe everything laid down in the law and in the prophets. And he says, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, they accept it, talking about the Pharisees, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. And it goes on. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. He had brought those in for the the church that was hurting there in Jerusalem. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia... They ought to be here before you and to make accusation should they have anything against me. Real quick, history here in the Roman government, if you were accuser, you had to be present. In fact, if you didn't show up to accuse the person that you had the case against, you could be held responsible. Okay, So he says, they should have been here or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they have found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among you, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off. Catch that phrase. He put them off, saying, when Lysias, uh, the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. At the same time, am am I in the right spot? No. And after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. Now, Drusilla, I need to introduce you to her. She was known for her beauty, okay? Well, that's not a Bible name that's caught on. Uh, Adeline is here today, right, for the first time? Okay. Did did you even briefly consider the name Drusilla? No, not at all. Okay, good. I like Alan better, but anyway, Drusilla is very beautiful. Uh, she was known for her beauty. She got married at 16. She is the youngest daughter of Herod. Uh, she is. Uh, she has a. She has a history of dealing with the Jews and everything like that. Uh, she was lured away by Felix from her first husband. Uh, Felix is on his third wife, uh, so not exactly you know pillars of virtue that we think of there. Uh, but anyway, she was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Jesus Christ. And as he watched this, Paul reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Felix was alarmed and said, "Go away for the present." Remember before he said, "I'm going to wait." Now he says, "Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity." I will summon you. And at the same time he hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. <laughs> uh, nice system of government they had, very corrupt. Uh, so he sent for him and conversed with him. And watch, look at this phrase, when two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porci- Porcius Festus and desiring to do Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. For two years he stayed there. Now, that's not really the sermon today, but at the same time, I wanted to call your attention to that phrase for two years, because I mentioned this before. A lot of times we read the Bible, and we think, okay, that happened, that happened, that happened, you know, real quick like that, and if you read into the details of the story, you're talking about periods of years going on. Understand here that Paul was in prison for a couple years. I'm sorry, yeah, he he was here for two years. You got that? I mean, think about that. I mean, how long does it seem like 2020 has been going right now? Uh, I, saw, I saw somebody starting a movement to, uh, to not change from daylight savings time in the fall because they don't want an extra hour of 220. Have you seen that? Uh, I mean, it just seems like it's already been long, long enough. You know, it, 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 it's, it's not going to stop no matter what. But if you, we can remember God's timing is so different than ours, this is a crucial thing just to navigate life. Uh, one preacher said it like this, in God's kitchen, there are no microwaves, only crock pots, okay? But that is a good thing to remember. And it, you can also remember with that uh, the idea, though, that uh, things don't usually, there's a few exceptions, but most things don't taste real good coming out of a microwave, Right? Uh, pizza for example You ever warm up pizza in the microwave You might as well not uh, just, just eat some cardboard Or, or some, something like that But to, you know when you take the time And cook it and do it right It makes a big difference uh, Well God is in the business Of doing things right And the maturing us in life So Paul spends two years there Now I want to go back here In our story And that would be the wrong button No there we go and just talk about how Paul went through um, or Paul, how Paul survived everything that he went through and, and his faith stayed, how he made it through. And we see a couple things in this story that I think we can we can grab onto that, that we can uh, focus on that God teaches us about how we too can have sustaining faith. And the first one, from back in verse number 14, we will notice one of the things that sustained him simply was his belief. You might remember this. Paul said, I believe everything, everything that's written in the law and the prophets. Okay? In other words, I believe the Old Testament. I believe Genesis. That's one of the books of the law. I believe the story in Exodus. I believe Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I believe all that. I believe all these things. I believe in in creation. Okay? I believe what in the fall of man. I believe in God's promise to redeem man. I believe in in God working with the nation of Israel. I believe in the flood. I believe in the battle of Jericho. I believe the Red Sea parted. I actually believe all those things. I believe the Bible. Remember what the Bible says about our faith. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the. So let me get back to that idea that if we are going to have a sustained faith, we are going to believe the word of God. And our belief in God comes from us t- spending time is or is strengthened from us spending time in his word. There is always or there are always different teaching coming down the pipe and, and we have to be careful because some of them have to be described as false teaching. And one of those things that comes down every once in a while is this idea that the Bible is, we'll say, partially inspired. In other words, some of the Bible is inspired by God, but maybe not the Old Testament. Let's, let's write that off. Remember what Paul said here. He said, "I believe all the Bible." Okay, I believe all the teachings of the law and the prophet. By the way, Jesus. And if you look this up, you might remember the phrase "jot or tittle." It's in the uh, it's in the uh, uh, King James that you'd find that. But you'll find that Jesus said the same thing. So if you say, "Well, I don't really believe that all the Bible is inspired," I you know obviously you can believe whatever you want. But I do want you to know that Paul and Jesus both said they believe all of Scripture, all of the Old Testament. Very important to remember and a building block to us having a sustained faith. But the second thing that I want you to notice, again, from back in these verses, he said, he said, I believe in all these things and I have a hope, and he emphasized in particular, I have a hope in the resurrection, okay? My hope is in the resurrection. Um, one of the movies Francis I like, used to like to watch around Christmas time was called The Preacher's Wife. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. Uh, Whitney Houston plays the preacher's wife, and Denzel Washington is an angel. It's it's totally biblically true. Uh, okay, it has nothing to do with anything, but there's a scene where the where the preacher's uh, preaching away, and he would. I was kind of wish I could be in a church that does this, but uh, but he'd say the word hope, and and Whitney Houston was the choir director, so she'd have everybody chime in, and, and they'd go hope, you know, and the, the whole choir would burst into that word and the, and the organ plays. Don't you think that'd be great if we could, if we could work that out? You know, we're, I'd say different things and then the, the choir would just chime in, beautiful thing. But the preacher's preaching away and he says, uh, he says, you got to have hope. And you hear the whole choir, hope, you know, uh, like that. First of all, he turned around a little stunned, but she was just trying to jazz up the service a little bit. Well, listen, uh, Paul said, one of the things I have is a hope. I have a hope in the resurrection. In other words, I have a hope that this life is not all that there is. I have a hope, and this is important that we keep this in mind, this life is nothing more than a temporary assignment. Scripture uses these words. It calls, it, it calls us aliens, strangers, pilgrims, travelers, visitors to this world. You know, sometimes it is incredibly helpful just when you're going through a difficult time just to have an end date. You know what I'm talking about? Just, hey, I know when this is going to end. I mean, don't you think even now that's one of the things that's a little frustrating? <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. When's this going to end? Don't know. Uh, is it going to end in 2000 and what's the next year? 21. I don't know. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly when things are going to end. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that's that's added to the frustration. I mentioned last week that my friend uh, Barb was very sick in the hospital. Barb Eldridge. She passed away on Tuesday morning. Um, actually, on Sunday, somebody said, ah, "I think she's doing some better." And then I got a text on Sunday afternoon that said, "Hey, I probably ought to get down here." And uh, I went down to the hospital in Elkhart, and they really they wanted me to kind of talk her into fighting because she was just kind of losing, you know, the fight. Like, hey, you know, I think it's just time to go. I think it's just time not to be here anymore. And uh, and, I, you know, I, I encouraged her a little bit with how much her family loved her and wanted her to stay around and stuff like that. But I could kind of tell she was like, know, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I need an end date. I've been fighting this thing for five weeks. She wasn't getting any answers. And she was just kind of like, I'm ready to go to heaven. And she was ready to go to heaven. Her faith was in Jesus Christ. Uh, she knew that. We got to have a celebration of her life here on Friday morning because she went to heaven. Okay, but she, she needed, you know, it was kind of like, when is this going to end? You know, when is this over? The apostle Paul says, hey, there, there is an end date. It is coming. This, what we have on this earth is a temporary assignment. And don't you think if we can just remember that this earth is not my final home. This isn't everything that I have. This is all just temporal. Don't you think that that sustains us through? So Paul had a belief. Paul had a hope. Now, I also want you to see the message that he gave when he has a chance to talk to Festus here. Okay? So, we're going to call it an honest and loving message. And there's a few elements there to what he said in this honest and loving message. I, I should mention this. A lot of times you see the word for when Paul talked, it will say he reasoned. Okay, he reasoned with them, and I've mentioned this before. I don't think you can ultimately reason anybody to Jesus Christ because it's faith, but we have a reasonable faith, so you can reason. You can present the arguments and the reasons to have faith in Christ, and that's what Paul did. Paul reasoned. I don't really pick up the vibe that Paul was a, uh, you know, the the preacher voice type, you know, ah! thing, you know, that type of thing. I I was listening to a speech of a congressman a couple weeks ago, and I thought, man, that guy sounds like a preacher. Uh, I investigated. He is a preacher. (laughs) That's why he sounded like a preacher. And I know, I know. I've told you before, my family makes fun of me when I break out the preacher voice. I know I break out the preacher voice. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't help it. I don't think Paul really did that. I I think he just talked to him. I think he just reasoned. Here is what he did. So he's reasoning uh, with them. And uh, one of the things it says he reasoned with them about, the first one, I really need a course, don't I? How to operate a clicker. Uh, but the first one is righteousness. He said he it said that he reasoned with them about righteousness. Now, remember, Paul's message was clear throughout his writings in Scripture. Our righteousness is, is not enough. The Bible says this, we, there are none righteous, no, not one. My righteousness is not as a result of my good works. It is not a result of of my uh, even obedience to Christ. My righteousness is a result of Jesus Christ himself laying down his life in a substitutionary death and saying trust in me believe in me I will forgive your sin and honor that I will impute to you my righteousness I will give you my righteousness that's the righteousness that Paul always talked about so he reasoned with them about righteousness saying that that righteousness is only found in Christ another is religion good works Uh, all the steps that you're trying to take to to appease God, none of that is enough. Our righteousness is found through faith in Jesus Christ. That was the consistent message of Paul throughout Scripture. There is none righteous, no, not one. Our righteousness is a result of the work of Jesus Christ. Okay, the second thing it says that he reasoned about is self-control. Okay, now I would imagine that this helped Felix to see that he did not have righteousness in and of himself, because this was not a man who practiced self-control. Uh, historians said about him that he was full of lust and envy. <laughs> Those aren't great characteristics. Uh, they said just that he ruled like a like a tyrant, like a jerk, uh, like he was in a position that he couldn't handle. Uh, that's what history told us about Festus, not a good man. So Paul, though he had done the polite thing at the beginning and said, hey, you know, you know what's going on here. You're not done. At this point, he, he was reasoning with them about self-control. And I don't think Festus had any particular great dose of self-control. Uh, so we get to the third thing that he mentioned in there. And that is, he also talked to them about judgment. Now, back when I said that Paul had a message, I said that it was a, I included the word, I said it was an honest message, but it was also a loving message and this is actually the point that I want you to realize was the loving part of the message. Um, we, um, you've noticed if you live in town here, all the road work that's been going on on 12 out here. By the way, parking lot nice, huh? Yeah, bring your rollerblades this afternoon. Uh, <laughs> it's as smooth as it's ever been. But uh, no, they, they did a real nice job and finished that up uh, this week. But um, the uh, while they've been working on 12, I'd pull out of the church and I'd always forget they're working on it. But there were some times when, you know, I just, one time I, I pulled out and I headed west like I, I normally would. And as I'm driving down the road, the flat there's a flagman standing there at Anderson just going crazy. I mean, jumping up and down and, and waving. And I thought, somebody calm this guy down. You know, he's, he's just going cra-. And he was just screaming, get over, get over. And I was like, what is wrong? And he said, you're going the wrong way. And what had happened is it wasn't clearly marked here, but they had shut it down to one lane. And that one lane was going east at the time. So here I am charging head forward <laughs> into it. Uh, actually, I did that twice. Once I did it going the other way, too. Uh, but in fairness, I pulled out in the middle of it. I, I didn't know. But he's screaming, no, no, you're head, you're headed for trouble. Uh, wouldn't have been very nice for that man to stand there and wave me on. <laughs> I ain't never seen a wreck like this. Uh, you know, this, this is going to be a good one. Uh, that wouldn't have been super kind of that fellow just to wave me, wave me into that, would it have been? No. The loving message... That Paul brought to him is the fact that he told him the truth about eternity. What could be a more positive message than to tell folks that judgment is coming, if it is coming? Would you agree? I wanted to. I didn't put this verse up on the screen, and and I, but I want to read to you a verse from uh, actually two verses from the book of Hebrews, one of them you may be familiar with, uh, 927, says this, and as it is appointed for man once to die, you may know it, and after that, the what? Judgment. Okay. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The very next phrase says, says this, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many. He goes on from there. Now, let, let me back up. He says, yes, it's appointed unto man once to die, and that's the message of judgment. Christ has been offered once to bear the sins of many. Have you ever met anybody, or maybe this is something that you struggle with, where you say, I cannot believe in a God of judgment. Okay, there are a lot of folks who say that. I don't believe it. If you're going to tell me that God's all about judgment, I'm not going to believe it. Here's a good follow-up question. What would you like God to do about that? Would it be okay with you if to spare you from that judgment, God gave His Son, Jesus Christ, to take that judgment, to suffer, and die to live a perfectly sinless life that he would lay down as a sacrifice for you? I can't believe in a God of judgment. Would you have then God maybe drop his standards? Is that what you want him to do? He's a holy God. He cannot do that. He could not do that. What would you like God to do? Now, let's go back to our verses there. It's pointed out a man wants to die after that, the judgment. very next verse says what? God came in the person of Jesus Christ, laid down his life, and bore that sin. That's some good stuff. I don't care who you are. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 and 28. You want want to look at that. He goes right into that and says that, uh, you know, if if, if you are dissatisfied with God when it comes to the whole topic of judgment, I want you to know that uh, that's a very loving message. It would be incredibly cruel not to tell people about judgment if it's coming. Okay, next up here. I want, you, I want to show you something about Felix here. Mr. Felix had, would it be uh, look bad on the video if I chucked this thing at the screen? Probably would. We won't do that. Oh, there we go. There we go. Back, back. There we go. Tragic response. He had a very tragic response. I think it'd be a good show. I mean, did you ever see, I'm sorry, i off subject for a second here. Did you ever see the video of the of the preacher that was preaching about love and a cell phone went off? You need to Google this. Uh, he goes out into the crowd. A cell phone goes off, and it ticks him off, and he walks back, and he just puts out his hand. The lady gives him the cell phone. I'm not kidding. The guy was standing there going, "Now God loves, so therefore we ought to love. The cell phone goes off. He walks back, gets it. In the middle of church, he whips it down on the ground. It goes all over the place without missing a beat. He walks back up and goes, God is love. And, uh, and we ought also to love one another. It's great. It's, it's classic. Uh, I thought, you know, I just talked about self-control. You want to watch me whip this at the screen because <laughs> I can't get it to operate? That, that'd be pretty good. Uh, but okay, he has the most tragic re- re- response um, in that, and we saw this in there. It says, that first of all, he, he's, he said, I'm, I'm going to get to this eventually. Uh, and then later on, he tells them, go away for the present. And he uses the phrase, when I have the opportunity. So the tragic response, and you got a preview, is, you guys do it, I can't do it. Uh, the tragic response is procrastination, okay? Now, before I, uh, well, now let me let me start with this. Someone has said this, atheism has slain its thousands, but procrastination is ten thousands. Okay, if you digest that for a minute. There are a lot of people that just say, no, I'm not going to believe in God. But there's a lot of people that say, I'm going to get around to this here. I'm gonna get around to faith in him. I'm not sure, I can't make up my mind, and eventually I'll get to it. So procrastination, now you might say, I'm for it. It gives me something to look forward to. That's probably true. Uh, But Martin Luther said this, how soon, not now, becomes never. And procrastination makes easy things hard, it makes hard things impossible. So I want us to consider this here, if this is something that is taking place in our life. Now, um, most of us have the ability to procrastinate. I'm looking around at the floor here. There's one there, one there, one there, one there, one there. We are dotted with coffee stains. Don't worry, I'm going to rent a red doctor and a spot cleaner and clean those. And I, I fully intend to do it. When I fir- the first day that I'd set to do that was, I believe, July of 2019, uh, I had told, uh, I, I remember telling Pastor James, I'm going to clean the carpet this Friday. And he said, hey, you know what? We're going to have a, uh, a different class in the room back here behind the kitchen. Could you paint that instead? And I did that day. I painted that room instead. So I postponed cleaning the carpet. All through COVID, you know, when I'm in the building by myself, I thought, you know, I ought to go get a rug doctor and clean that. (laughs) That'd be a good thing to do today. Uh, But as you can see, I never quite got to it. So I am the classic example of procrastination and something that, you know, you could put off. I want you to think through, first of all, on the goofy side of uh, if there's something that's, you know, has been sitting that same place in your house to remind you that you need to do something. Um, it, it's kind of funny when my wife finally gives up on me. Why is that there? Well, that's to remind me, don't move it. Why is that there? That's to remind me, don't move it. Finally, it just disappears. You'll <laughs> never remember. Uh, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to forget it forever. But let's think of it on a more serious level if we could right now as far as procrastination goes, because that statement about atheism has slain some, but procrastination has slain so much more is very true. And for many people, they follow the same path of Felix here. They say, hey, someday I'm going to consider what you're saying there, Pastor. I'm going to consider this business of my need for a Savior. Someday I'm going to consider putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Someday. And as you know, the adversary of God is a sly feller. Okay? And he's smart. Uh, And he knows what works. And he knows procrastination is an incredibly powerful tool, and he's going to use that every opportunity he has. So can I admonish you, can I plead with you, if you are in the position of Felix where you would say, hey, someday, and you've been considering your need of a Savior, I just personally, that scares the living daylights out of me. Because I've seen too many people procrastinate procrastinate, procrastinate. Hey, I got to do a funeral on Friday that was not pleasant because I know funeral is because you miss somebody you love. But at the same time, I got to do, do a funeral where we could say, I know Barb's with Jesus. <laughs> that is that is so much easier than doing a funeral where, I, where somebody we're not sure about their faith in Jesus Christ. They were putting it off. They're putting off that decision. So can I plead with you today? As the Apostle Paul would plead and say, there is a day when we stand before Jesus Christ. Judgment comes. So can I plead with you? Today would be the day to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. In my life, it was when I was 15 years old, I realized that I needed a Savior. Nothing fancy about the prayer I prayed. I said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Uh, God, I trust in you to be that Savior. I trust in you for forgiveness of my my sin. Is there another area of your life perhaps where procrastination, now think with me. In fact, if you would do this, maybe in your environment right now say, Lord, is there something for me here? Do you have have something? Lord, did you bring me here because you want to highlight something? Is there another area of your life right now that procrastination is reigning? You know, maybe, maybe it's, hey, Maybe it's even just a, a backsliddenness, a, a, a get right with God, a plug back into living for Him. I don't know what it is. But you you intend to do it, right? You intend to do it. I intend. We have a wedding here in three weeks. I need to get these spots. Okay? I intend to do it. But you know what I mean? Sometimes our best intentions just stay that way. And uh, and we get, we get stuck in a rut as a result of procrastination. I'm going to ask the... Uh, worship team is going to come back up because we're going to close with a song. Now, what's the name of that? We're not doing it again, but what's the name of that new song we sang? Authority. Man, you want to Google those words. That was that was awesome. We could do it again. You, 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 I'll pray you, you ask the spirit which one he wants to, 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 to have. Okay. You're, you're in charge. Um, yeah, I, I'm good. I kind of like singing new songs sometimes because that makes me think about the words. You know, and, and, you know, sometimes I get in a rut of just singing the stuff I'm familiar with. Um, and, uh, but any, anyway, um, I would encourage you, even even as we sing. Uh, yeah, hey, why don't we do authority? Can we do that? Because that, that'd be good. So I, I'm just I'm just thinking, you know, when we're talking about God being in charge, surrendering to him. That'd be perfect to get us thinking through that. You guys okay? All right. Uh, let, let, let's do that because uh, the, the idea of surrendering to his authority The idea of saying, God, let's, uh, you know, where in my life, why why am I here today, God? What, What does your Holy Spirit want to highlight in my life? Where is that thing? Have I never initially, have I never once surrendered to Jesus Christ as my Savior? Have I never asked Him for forgiveness of sins? Is there somewhere else in my life where I've been fighting Him? And I've been fighting Him in the sense that I've been putting it off. God eventually... I'll get around to surrendering to you. I think that that'd be good. Let's uh, let's let's sing that again. And, and uh, let, let me pray. Father, um, <laughs> Paul reasoned, and uh, hopefully that's something I've been able to do for a little bit here. But only Your Spirit can do a work in lives and can really teach truth and uh, get into people's hearts. Father, would You do that e- even as we sing now? Uh, Spirit of God, take over. And uh, take control of us, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.